Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. My family and I, we went to Northwest Arkansas for a few days for spring break. We went to the Rogers area, stayed at the lake, uh, fished, drank coffee, ate good food. That's a winning combination in my book, right? And so we went and we did that. We were there for a few days, had a good time. On the way home, uh, we started having this conversation in our car um, with our family. My, my wife and kids, they started talking about how much they missed our dog, Miles. They missed our dog. How many of you would say, by a show of hands, how many of you would say that you are a dog person? Oh, double hands right here. Enthusiastic about being a dog person. How many of you need to confess that you are a cat person? Anybody? We will pray for you after the first service. Somebody came by and they're like, you know what, cats are great. And I was like, I'm glad you like them, right? And so, not a cat person. We are dog people in our family. And so we had this conversation in our car about what was Miles, our dog, what's he going to do whenever we, whenever we get home, right? We've been gone for three days. Is he, is he going to remember us? Is he going to be mad at us for leaving him for three days? I mean, we had somebody watching him, right? We didn't just like leave him in the house for three days. But what was he going to do? Well, you know what he does. He's a dog. So as soon as we walk in, Man, he's pumped up. He's excited to see us. He's shaking all over. He's pumped up to see us because that's what dogs do. If you walk out of the house for 10 minutes and come in, they're like, you again, right? Uh, But cats are the opposite. They're like, ugh, you again, right? So the dog, he he was excited to see us. And so um, my my kids, they played with him all evening because they missed him. They love him. They're, They're buddies. Right? And so maybe you're not a pet person, but you can kind of resonate with what I'm talking about. Whenever you're gone, you feel some absence and you feel a longing or a love for somebody. Maybe if you're a parent, right? And you've been away for a few days and after a few days, now it does take a few days, but you start to miss those little guys. You miss your kids, right? And, and you haven't heard anything from whoever's watching them. And so you begin to get anxious. Why? Because there's a longing there and there's a, a love that is that is there. That's a sign of real love, right? Longing, uh, those kind of things. That, that's a sign of, of a real love relationship. And in our text this morning, that's kind of what we're going to see. Nearly every word of our passage this morning revolves around this idea of love, right? We're going to see their love for Jesus, and we're going to see their love for one another, their brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this is a picture of of real love. And the big question that I want us to ask ourselves and wrestle with this morning is first, are we a church that loves like this? So as we get into this, are we a church that loves this way? And then maybe even deeper than that, am I a person that loves like this? Right? So if you have a Bible, open it with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We've been in the series in the book of 1 Thessalonians for the past several weeks now. And so as you're turning there, let me just kind of remind you a little bit of what's going on here. In in Greenbrier, every week, I've drawn our attention to Acts chapter 17. I'm sure Josh has done that here as well. So Acts chapter 17 shows us the origin story of how this church in Thessalonica came to be. 
And Acts 17 tells us that, that Paul went to Thessalonica and he preached there for, for several weeks. And, and he went to the Jewish synagogue and he's preaching, um, he, he's showing them, it says, out of scripture. He's proving and explaining to them there was a need for a Messiah to come and to die and to rise again from the dead. And then what he does is he uses scripture, which by the way would have been our Old Testament. He's using scripture to show Jesus is that promised Messiah. And then Acts 17 verse four, maybe the coolest verse in the, in the chapter, some of them were persuaded. And so some of them become Christ followers and they go from hearing about this Jesus in the Jewish synagogue, the meeting place of Jews, to becoming the Christian gathering of, of Christ followers, the ecclesia, the church, right? Some of them were persuaded. And so it's a beautiful story. Like it's an awesome thing to, to read back and see how this church came to be. But we do know that things got pretty difficult for them, right? If you keep reading Acts 17, you're going to see that an angry mob of Jewish people got mad at Paul and Silas for preaching that there was another king besides Caesar. They're accusing them of, of treason. They form an angry mob and they run Paul and Silas out of town. All right? So they run them out of town and then they don't stop there. They, they begin to uh, just run their mouth about Paul to the new Christians in Thessalonica, to the new church. And they begin to say things like, Paul is a fake and he's a phony and he only came here to take your money. They were trying to spread these false lies about Paul. We know that from 1 Thessalonians chapter two where Paul is kind of presenting a defense of himself going, no, it wasn't fake. We are uh, genuine, we're real. We didn't even take money from you. We worked the whole time that we were there, right? And so they were spreading these false lies about them. And then it gets worse. It says that they chased them, that angry mob chased them to the next town they went to in Berea. And so as our passage opens this morning, Paul's kind of feeling a little bit down. He's feeling discouraged. He's wondering, man, was this whole thing in vain? Like, do they even remember me? Are, are they mad at me for, for what's gone, gone on? And so he's feeling down. Acts 7, or I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, talks about how, how he longs to see them, that he loves them deeply, and he longs to see them, but he's been hindered from coming to them. Something has caused it where Paul can't come, so he sends Timothy. And he sends Timothy to do two things. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse, verse 2. He sends Timothy to strengthen and encourage the Thessalonian church. And verse 5, he sends them to find out about the Thessalonians' faith. So he wants to encourage them, say, keep going. And he wants to hear a report. What's happened since I've been gone? And Paul comes back with good news. He comes back with good news. And that's where we're gonna pick up and read in just a moment. But before we do, I want us to pray. And so I'm going to pray. And as I do, I wanna invite you, just pray for yourself. Ask God to speak to you in this moment through his word. Let's pray. God, we wanna pause and we wanna ask you in this moment, as we open up your word, that you would speak to us. God, I pray that you would do something new in our life. Holy Spirit, would you show us Jesus in this moment? Would you help us to see that you are love and that we are to love as well? Would you speak? We're listening and we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
Amen. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's pick up in verse 6 together. He says, but now, remember he sent Timothy to go get a report, but now Timothy has come to us. He's come back to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. If you circle, highlight, underline in your Bible, underline that, uh, good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we also long to see you. Verse seven, therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live, if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you? As you pray, as we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. And then he prays a beautiful prayer for the church in Thessalonica. Verse 11, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. He's saying, I pray that the Lord will allow me to come back and see you. Verse 12, this is our main verse this morning. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. All right, so, so as we jump into this text, we're talking about love this morning. And here's something that you need to know. Love is a big deal to Paul. Every single one of Paul's writings, his letters, they all hinge upon, they all center upon this theme of, of love. And usually what we see him do is just like what we saw in verse six, he, he pairs together the terms faith and love. Faith and love. And what he's saying is that faith in Christ and love for others always go together. You can't separate the two. They always go together. Faith in Christ and love for others. And so as plainly as I can say it, if we are not loving, we are not following Christ. If we are not loving, we are not following Christ. First uh, John 4.20, if anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. That's strong. If we say that we love God, but we hate our brother or sister, those fellow Christians around us, we are a liar. Jesus says in John 13.35, he says the way people are gonna know that you're Christians is by what? He doesn't say they're gonna know that you're my, you're my followers by, by your theological degrees. They're gonna know that you're my followers by the big buildings that you meet in. He doesn't say that you're gonna know that you're my followers by, by, the, by the spiritual tweets that you send out. He says, no, they're gonna know that you are my followers by your love for one another, by how you love one another. First Corinthians, uh, 13, one would go on to say that if we say a lot of things, like we, we have eloquent speech or we know all the right things to say or tweet, but if we don't have love, he says, he says, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Like it's pretty hard to hear me talking about Jesus eloquently and doing all these different things if that's all that is coming out, that if we don't have love, it doesn't matter what we say. We're just a clanging symbol. 
Jesus says that they will know that you are Christians, that you love one another. All right? So the idea of love is big, that real, genuine relationship with Jesus produces real love for others. Okay? So that's what we're talking about this morning. I want to show you out of this text three things out of this text. Number one, if you're a note taker, real love builds up. Real love builds up. See, I told you before that Paul was full of doubt and discouragement. He's thinking, right? He's been separated from them. They've been lied about. There's been slander about them in the town after he was ran out of town by the mob. And Paul's sitting there going, what if they believe those things? Like, what if those people, if they, what if they don't like me anymore? What if because of the persecution that they faced, they've decided to actually turn from following Jesus? And so Paul has all these doubts and he's very discouraged in this moment. He doesn't know what kind of relationship still exists with the people in Thessalonica. When I was a freshman and sophomore in college, I worked at a, a Baptist church camp in Oklahoma called Falls Creek. It's one of the largest Christian camps in the nation and uh, very formative years for me in my ministry journey. I love Falls Creek. It was cool after the first service. I had three or four people come up and go, man, I used to go to Falls Creek. I love that place. Well, whenever I was working there, the camp director or my boss was a guy named James Lankford. And James uh, was an awesome dude. Me and my buddies who worked there, uh, we called him J-Dog. And so J-Dog, like, he, he's just this cool dude. We would drive around in his Ford truck as we were working, just laugh and cut up. He's still one of the most, like, genuine Jesus followers that I know. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure this dude, like, has a walkie-talkie with the Lord, and that's how they communicate. Like, if you've got a question about anything to do with the Lord, J James can answer it, right? And so I had just this great relationship with him. He's still one of my favorite preachers to this day. Well, fast forward a few years, and J-Dog is now United States Senator James Lankford, right? And so a, a couple of years ago, I went to Washington, D.C., and I wanted to see James. And I found out that his office does this thing called Java with James. And I thought, that sounds cool. I'll go to that. Uh, I, I want some coffee with James. And so I, I went to this thing. And what I didn't understand in the time um, was this was an opportunity for all of these business people and people who are trying to push their platform and things like that, this was an opportunity for them to all get in a room at once and have the ear of the senator, right? And so they all show up and they're in their business suits and they're looking good, these men and women, and they're there to push their agenda to get in the ear of the senator. I'm there dressed like this, literally there for coffee, right? And so I'm feeling out of place. And, and so I stand in the back of the, of the room and I'm just kind of standing there. I'm just going, man, I, I don't belong here. Like this is, this is weird. Um, you know, these people, they're all looking sharp. They're, they're all important people. James is like a big deal now. Is he even gonna remember me? Is he gonna know who I am anymore? It's been several years, right? And so I'm standing there and I'm having all these thoughts about that time in walks Senator Lankford. Still looks like J-Dog to me, right? So he walks in and, and he begins to welcome and address this crowd of businessmen and women. And he begins to do all this. And as he's talking, I'm standing in the back of the room. He locks eyes with me and he goes, David, what's up, man? He's like, 
after this, why don't you hang out? I, I wanna have some coffee with, like, let's just chat after all this. And all these business dudes in suits like turn around slowly and look at me like, who is this dude, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's no big deal. Me and J-Dog, we're tight, <laughs> you know? And, and so we, we, we hung out. I, I have a feeling that that's kind of how Paul's feeling in this, in this moment here is as well. He's worried what kind of relationships still exist. And then when he gets the news, man, he's lifted. He's encouraged by it. Look at verse six again. But now Timothy has come from us, uh, come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us and, and as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all of our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. I think it's so interesting that Paul sends Timothy to encourage them, and in return, he's the one that becomes encouraged by the good news that he, that he hears. This is one reason why we need the church. It's one reason why we need brothers and sisters, and it's one reason why we need this thing to be real. That we need real relationships and real life being shared with one another. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, the, the verse that, that really stood out to me was 1 Thessalonians 2 verse, verse 8. And if that could be our defining verse for small groups or for our church in general, my goodness, it would do incredible things. 1 Thessalonians 2 8 says, because we cared so much for you, we, we not only shared the gospel with you, but we also shared our lives with you because you became so dear to us. Right? It's just this picture that they have of genuine relationships, genuine love for one another, brothers and sisters in, the Christ, in Christ. And when we have that, man, it will encourage us. And we need that because discouragement will come. It absolutely will come. Verse 3 of, of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 says that these afflictions that we're facing, we were appointed to this. Like it wasn't punishment. It didn't catch God off guard. They were appointed to go through the things that they were facing. John 16, 33, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus told us that. He says, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And so when, not if, when we face those moments of discouragement and trials, man, I need to know that people are in my corner. I need to know that I have brothers and sisters in Christ. I have my church family who's gonna stand behind me and encourage me and walk with me through those things that they've got my back. Why? Because they genuinely love me. Like genuinely love me and they want the best for me. So real love builds us up. Number two, real love increases. Real love increases. Paul says, he prays in verse 12, he prays that they would increase with love for one another and for everyone. And remember, he's not saying like you need to start loving one another. He's saying you need to increase in it. He said, you're already really good at this because when I'm feeling down, the word of you and your love encourages me. See, they were good at it, but Paul says, no, I'm praying that it increases. I'm praying that it continues to grow, and that's an important po point for us to know here, is that whenever it comes to love, there's always room for improvement. 
There's always room for growth. We just keep filling up. We, we never arrive at the end goal. We're still just on the tracks, learning to increase in love. Listen, I, I, I think, I believe, I know our church family is very loving. Like I tell people all the time, I would choose to attend Second Baptist even if I wasn't on staff. I love this church, I love these people. I, I think we have an extremely loving church. I hear stories all the time of our deacons serving in incredible ways. I hear stories of small groups inviting people in, making them feel welcome, taking care of them whenever uh, tragedy hits their family. I hear stories all the time of, of our church meeting needs in our community. Like I feel like we are a loving church, but there's always room for more. There's always room to increase as we grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And so I want to give you just a few very practical ways that we can increase in love how this says. Now I want you to notice how these kind of build on one another. The first thing that we can do to increase in love is to see the value in others. Whenever you see somebody else, we recognize them for what they are. They are a person made in the image of God. And because of that, that brings intrinsic worth and value and dignity. And we see them as a person made in the image of God, regardless of ethnicity, socioeconomic class, or background. They are a person and I see their value. So we start there and it goes a little bit deeper. We not only see their value, then we listen to them. We listen to them, no matter if they have different opinions than us, no matter if they live a little bit differently than us, because they have value, we listen to them. And then it goes a little bit deeper than that. This is probably the area that we probably need to work on the most, is we believe the best in one another. We believe the best. We don't nitpick their faults, we celebrate their strengths. It's so easy to look at somebody and immediately know all of their faults. I feel like I'm an expert at this, right? It's easy to nitpick and find people's faults, but, but what we do whenever we believe the best is we don't do that. We set aside their faults and we celebrate their strengths because we see that they have value. We're listening to them. And so we, we believe the best. It's so easy to assign motives to somebody that just probably aren't true. We get in our own head and start thinking, well, they probably meant this. Well, they probably didn't. <laughs> so we, we assign motives to people. We can look out of the corner of our eye at them and just assume that they are up to something. But hear me, our Savior does not do this. Jesus never did that. He believes the best in people. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ followers, we should believe the best should give one another the benefit of the doubt. Can you imagine what would happen if we all made a conscious effort to do this? Like what if, what if we actually did this, to believe the best in our brothers and sisters? Those, those in this room, those in our second family, right? If you got a little dispute or something, what if you believe the best in them? So it starts here, but what if, what if we believe the best in those brothers and sisters who maybe have decided to step away from this church and attend another church in town? What if we didn't have that awkward grocery store uh, crossing there, right? What if we believe the best in them and love them? What if we believe the best in those brothers and sisters online and so on social media? Man, we are ruthless on social media, Christians are. 
What if we believe the best in one another? And then it goes a little bit deeper. If you, if you see the value in them, if you're listening to them, if you believe the best in them, then you start to serve them and you start to sacrifice for them. It's just this progression of just increasing in love. And so if you want to increase in love, man, work on these four things. Valuing, listening, believing, and serving others, both in our church and outside of these walls. Is there maybe some drama in your, in your small group? It happens. <laughs> Believe it or not, it, it does happen. We are, we are sinners. But what if you worked on these four things? What would happen to the drama? Valuing, seeing, believing, and serving one another. It's pretty hard to fight with someone when you see the value in them, when you listen to understand and not, not to counter. It's pretty hard to fight with somebody whenever you're believing the best about them. They probably didn't do that thing on purpose. They're not out to get you. We believe the best about them, and then it's pretty hard to fight with somebody if you're serving them and sacrificing for them. It's tough, right? Like I'm stepping on my own toes even as I'm saying those things. That's the reason I told you before, we never arrive. Like there's always room to increase and to grow in this, to increase in love. And so we need to consistently pray, verse 12, for ourselves to ask that the Lord would cause, right? Because that's where the strength for all this comes from. It's from the Lord, it's not from us. We ask the Lord to increase and overflow love in us. Finally, number three, real love imitates Jesus. Real love imitates Jesus. See, Paul prays in verse 12. He prays that their love would increase and overflow, right? Overflow. Have you ever seen when somebody will take um, and put soap in like a fountain? You seen that? Uh, at the college I attended, the, the real OBU, Oklahoma Baptist University, people would do this all the time. We had a big fountain right in the middle of campus and people would put soap or detergent, something in there. And what happens is that soap gets in the filters and in the pumps and it just grows and grows and grows. And then there's just this big pile of soap on the sidewalks, right? Now, it's kind of funny, it's a prank, but I did find out this week with a little research, it's a misdemeanor, so don't do that, right? But whenever things grow and they increase, they overflow, it makes a mess. Just the other day, I was out having lunch with some of our staff team, and the waitress came up and grabbed my glass to fill it up with water, and she started like having a conversation with us, and I guess forgot what she was doing, and she just filled that sucker all the way up, overflowed it, water was all over the ground, it, it, it made a mess. And that's kind of the point here. When you fill something up past the top and it begins to overflow, it makes a mess. It makes a mess. And Paul's saying, I'm praying that your love would just increase and it would grow and it would grow and it would overflow onto everything and everyone around you, both in the church and outside of the church, and when that happens, when the love of Christ overflows from our church and into the world, it begins to make a mess of the way that the world lives and thinks. And the love of, the love of Christ begins to seep in and it begins to bring transformation all around us. That's, that's the gospel, that's what the gospel 
does. That Jesus increased and he overflowed with love. I mean, think about it. Whenever Jesus enters into this world and he, and, he, and he steps out of heaven and he comes on a love mission to rescue sinners like me and like you, love overflowed from him as he did that. Love overflowed from Jesus as he's eating with sinners and tax collectors and disrupting the whole, the whole system. Love is overflowing from Jesus as he's healing the sick regardless of what day it was. Love is overflowing from Jesus as he's touching lepers and as he's allowing the woman to touch his garment, the unclean woman. Love is overflowing from Jesus as he is bringing healing to the Gentiles and making a mess of who's in and who's out. Love overflowed from Jesus, man, whenever he is arrested. Do you remember when he was arrested and, and, and Peter cut off the dude's ear and Jesus bends down, picks it up, and puts it back on his head? The guy who had come to arrest him, love overflows from Jesus in that moment as he picks it up, puts it back on his head. Love overflowed from Jesus as his blood was flowing from the cross to the ground and Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them. Love overflowed from Jesus as he breathed his last breath on the cross and he said, it is finished. The sacrifice that was necessary for your salvation and for mine, it is finished. And then love overflowed from Jesus and poured out onto all of creation the moment that he stepped out of the grave alive and he defeated death with death. John 3.16, you know it. For God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him will not perish, will not die, but will have eternal life. Love overflows from Jesus. And whenever you and I if we're, if we're followers of Christ, if we live that same kind of life of love increasing and overflowing from our lives and in our church, listen, it spills out and we preach the gospel to the world. But then it kind of goes a step further than that as well. Something else happens. As God's love is overflowing, it'll make a mess of our own lives. Right? We begin to look at everything that we're saying and doing and, and, and thinking, and we go, is this matching up with the love of Christ? Is this marked by the love of Christ? And so I want us to all ask ourselves this question this morning. Is the love of Christ increasing and overflowing out of your life? Or is something else? Is anger overflowing? out of your life? Is bitterness overflowing out of your life? Is selfishness overflowing out of your life and it's affecting everybody around you? Listen, loveless Christianity is an oxymoron. It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. First John 4 verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another, 
because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. The one who does not love does not know God. And so I I said it earlier and I'll say it again as plainly as I can say it. If we are not loving, we are not following Christ. Real love builds up. Real love increases as the Holy Spirit works within us. And real love imitates Jesus and overflows to the world. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.